Welcome to the Grace Harbor Church Sermon Podcast. Grace Harbor Church is located in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information, visit our website at ghokc.com. Probably goes without saying, but we're in the Beatitudes this morning. Matthew chapter 5, 1 through 12 says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger for thirst, hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you um, that though our hearts and our flesh and um, maybe even all the voices around us may, may question what good is it for us to just, um, as a church body, to be in your word and to study it, um, that, that, Lord, it is, it is what you have, have called us to do. It is what you have um, declared that we are, um, what, what we are formed by, um, what, 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 we, what we should most deeply be formed by. And, Lord, not just individually and personally, um, but as a called out people, um, as a people distinct from the world, um, as a people who, who gather, as a people who um, come under just the, the, the authority of what your word has to say. And so, Lord, um, I pray this morning that, that I would simply be um, an instrument um, that is used um, to build the body up, um, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, um, and, and may it be your words and not my own um, that, we, that we speak to this morning. Um, Lord, we pray this morning that we would um, sense and, and, um, and, and be comforted by um, your presence here. Uh, we know that there are many who are grieving, uh, many who are weary and tired. And so, Lord, may we, in a, just a very powerful and personal way this morning, uh, be, be comforted by your presence. Um, and we, we trust you. Um, Lord, help us to submit ourselves to your word. Um, help us to learn the things that you would have us to learn, have us become the things that you would have us become. Um, and help us, um, help us, help us believe. Even Lord, help help the help us in our unbelief, um, in 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 what what you have have declared. And and so, Lord, we say all of that um, just as a as a confession of your grace, um, as an acknowledgement of of your grace that you give to us. Um, that none of these things can happen. Um, if we if we attempt to just conjure them up, but Lord, they happen because of a of a presence of your Holy Spirit within us. So help us to again to sense that this morning. Thank you for calling us together in this place in your name. Amen. Let's have a seat. All right, Matthew chapter five. Kind of feels as we walk through these beatitudes, um, as we have said and as we've we've kind of you know acknowledged that there's some things in here that don't really line up, at least with our own value system. If we were to say, hey, this is how we receive comfort, we don't really think that the pathway to comfort is through mourning, right? Um, or that the pathway to um, inheriting the earth, as we're gonna see today, is actually a, a meekness and not really a, 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 an aggression or a dominance or a takeover or anything like that. And so I, I say that to say, last week we, we really dove into uh, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And I don't know about you, um, maybe not to the same degree, but it seems that the Lord has, <laughs> I don't wanna say he's testing us, um, maybe. Um, I, I think the scriptures are clear about, um, about those things. Let, let, let no man say when he is tempted that he is being tempted by God. And so I don't wanna, don't wanna get into that. I don't wanna misunderstand. But, 
basically, the Lord's giving us opportunities to trust in him, isn't he? Um, there's a lot of people walking through deep and hard, challenging things um, that uh, is sometimes hard to reconcile, sometimes hard to, to have the perfect answer for. Um, and so we don't come with people who, who have all the answers, but we do come as a people who are gonna just lean into what the word says. Um, and so if, that's a, if that can be a comfort to us this morning, I pray that it would be. Um, and, and if you're not feeling that, that's okay. Uh, you don't have to feel all put together. Um, but, but this morning, I, I'll tell you what we are gonna do is we're gonna just lean right in. Um, and for those of you who don't, I have a chain to beat you with. So um, I'm just kidding. We'll get to that here in just a minute. There it goes. So a quick recap um, of kind of where we've been. Really quick recap. That Jesus is a real king who rules over and rules within a, a real kingdom. He's, he's come and he said, the kingdom of heaven is here. Um, and, and he is the ruler, the king of this kingdom. Um, and so it's a real and genuine and true king. It's a real and genuine true kingdom that exists. It's not a theoretical thing that, you know, that's like fun and imaginary. It's, it's real. Like, and, and Jesus is gonna show us that like there's, there's real aspects to this kingdom. And so in this sermon and in these beatitudes, Jesus as the king is, is giving us as his people, as disciples of Jesus, he is giving us the definitive vision for what life within this kingdom looks like. He's saying, hey, I'm the king and I get to make whatever pronouncements I want about this kingdom because, hey, I'm the king. And he's not doing it in an arrogant way or a pompous way. In fact, he's doing it in a humble and a meek way, as we'll see today. And so far, what he has said about life in this kingdom is this. Eyes on the book would be the best thing you can do. We're on page 809 in the books and in the Bibles and the seats in front of you. Um, but we're in Matthew chapter five. And here's what he has said so far. That blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And then today, as we're gonna look into, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, what we have sought to really highlight and understand in these Beatitudes is that these blessings, the, 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 the thing that Jesus is saying in blessings is not hashtag blessed. Rather, he is saying something really, really significant and he is pronouncing what the height of human flourishing, what the height of human satisfaction, what the height of human happiness, where that is experienced. And so he's saying, listen, um, that the highest level of human satisfaction, the, the highest attainment of happiness in your life, ironically comes when you are poor in spirit, when you are meek. Um, he says, even when you mourn, because it's in that place where you experience the fullness of the presence of God so often. And so remember, when he says blessed, it's not, a, it's not a way that we would think about it is if you do this, then you get this. There is maybe an element of that, but what he is saying is, is that these two things kind of work in tandem, that, that when you are poor in spirit, you, you are, what does he say? Yours is the kingdom of heaven. These things work together. And so if that be what Jesus is after, we have said that these are some unusual ways for us to attain this kind of happiness, Right? And it's an unusual way to attain this kind of satisfaction. It's an unusual way also to attain the promise that he's giving, that, that it's through poorness of spirit that you gain the kingdom. It's through a mourning that we experience the greatest comfort. It is through a meekness that we receive an inheritance. These are some unusual ways not only to live, but to receive what he's promising. Um, and so the world's vision, the vision of the world around us and the culture around us is not to be poor in spirit. It's not to mourn or it's not to be meek. Rather, the, the message of the world around us and the, the, the pressure that we feel is to be confident, is to be put together, is to be aggressive. And we're gonna kind of talk about how maybe confidence can, can go along with meekness here in just a minute, but you know what kind of confidence we're getting at, right? Like, a, like an arrogance, and so in God's kingdom, what Jesus is saying so far is that true satisfaction is not attainable for the confident. It's not attainable for the put together. If you're, if you're, if you're arrogant and, and verbiose and all those things, like the kingdom of heaven does not belong to these kinds of people. And so it's not attainable for the confident, the put together, the aggressive. Rather, it's attainable for the poor of spirit, those who mourn and the meek. And if we understand 
the Beatitudes, not as a junk drawer. I tried to find a, 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 like a, like a, surely we've got a box around here with a bunch of junk in it. If we view the Beatitudes, not as a junk drawer, but like I said last week, as a chain, this is kind of the way that you should picture the Beatitudes. Not, um, like I said, I really need an example here. Not as, a, you know, everybody has a junk drawer at their house, right? I mean, the most random things exist within that. There's, a, there's like a pair of scissors and like a pacifier. Like there's just things that just don't really go together. But the Beatitudes are not to be meant like that. And maybe, maybe, maybe a better way to understand that is the Beatitudes are not meant to just be something that we pick and choose what we get to be today. Today I'm meek, uh, but I'm, I'm really arrogant today, but at least I'm, at least I'm mourning. Or, I'm, or um, I, you know, any, any of the other things. I'm, I'm not hungering and thirsting for righteousness, but I really showed mercy to my friend this morning. It's not a junk drawer. It's not a, it's not a buffet. It's a, it's a chain. And so what Jesus is doing is he's, he's kind of building upon what he's teaching. And he's saying, this is the vision for this kingdom citizen. And so that's maybe an insufficient but helpful way to view what Jesus is saying here, that this is a chain. And so if we view it in that way, rather than in a junk drawer, but rather a chain that intentionally develops God's vision for the kingdom citizen that we see in today's beatitude, meekness. Blessed are the meek. We, see, we begin to see in today's beatitude that these characteristics maybe slowly but surely move from an, from an inward disposition um, that, re, that relates primarily to a vertical relationship with God towards characteristics that affect how relationally we interact with one another. And so meekness, meekness is certainly a way that we approach God. But, but Jesus has established here that we approach God, we approach him and his kingdom with a poorness of spirit, that we've been empty, that we have nothing to bring him. Meekness, it, it feels kind of similar to poor in spirit, but what, 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 we, what we can see from these Beatitudes is that it, it may begin to relate to, I'm not saying exclusively, it may begin to play itself out in how we interact with other people that we would be meek towards other people. And, it, and this isn't very highly debated. It's not highly debated that these Beatitudes, that they do have both vertical and horizontal implications. They do have, have both implications. All of that to say, church family, is buckle up. <laughs> buckle up because these things don't get any easier. If you think Jesus is gonna slowly let up in these Beatitudes, that there are ramifications of these horizontal and vertical implications they become more and more personal and costly to us. They become more and more challenging and difficult to live these out as a kingdom citizen. It's in meekness where we begin to see how we relate with those around us, with, with our world. What meekness is not, as we kind of move into what is meekness, what meekness is not, in fact, what meekness antithetically is not is arrogance, anger, and aggression. We, just, we know that. We know that it's not... Um, we know that it's not arrogance, it's not anger, it's not aggression, and you've heard all the things about meekness, probably. Um, that meekness isn't weakness, right? You've, you've heard these definitions. Meekness isn't weakness. If you've never heard it, welcome to church, uh, because these kinds of things are going to be said a lot. Meekness isn't weakness, or one, one that I personally really like is meekness is power under control. Meekness is, is power under control. These are, these are, I think, good definitions for us. They're good working definitions for us, and we're gonna operate off of these definitions as a way to understand what Jesus means by this meekness. But what's important to understand is that this kind of meekness that Jesus is talking about, the, the word that he uses, praus, the word that he uses is compatible with strength. It's not incompatible with strength. So we, we must Acknowledge that and see that. It's compatible with strength. This kind of meekness is compatible with authority. This kind of meekness is compatible with confidence. It's, it's compatible with these, these ways that we are called as disciples in a, in a dark world to live with, with, with strength, with authority, with confidence. But meekness is not incompatible with any of these things. They can coexist. This kind of meekness coexists within one who is willing to stand for truth and die for it. And so those who we see who are willing to stand for truth, maybe sometimes we think they're radical. But really, it's, I, I think it's fundamentally meekness within someone who's willing to stand for truth and to die for it. But here's where I wanna push us. This is something that's really important about meekness. 
Um, meekness isn't a natural quality. If you're thinking about meekness and you're thinking about like the old lady that lives next door um, who's, who's not a believer, but she's really sweet, this is not the meekness that Jesus is talking about. This, this is not a natural quality. This kind of meekness Jesus is referring to is not a natural disposition of a person who is born. And so there's people born with a gentle, shy disposition. Like you're just shy. Like that's just in your nature. Um, there are those who are born with a more robust and loud disposition. That's me. Uh, there are those who are just naturally born with certain qualities. And so while this has these outward implications that we've talked about, this meekness is to be understood, this meekness is to be understood solely as the result of an inner change within us. Um, Jesus is not talking about a personality of meekness. He's not talking about a biological trait of someone who's shy. Here's what I would offer to you. Jesus, the meekness that Jesus has in mind is a spirit-filled, spirit-given characteristic of a disciple of Jesus. That's what he's talking about here. It is one, it is, it is a characteristic of one who has been brought under submission to the rule and the reign of Jesus. And so again, this is, this is why this is important because when we hear meekness, we think, yeah, like I know someone who's meek. But if they're not a follower of Jesus, this is not the meekness that Jesus has in mind. Now, they may be a meek-mannered person, a gentle-mannered person, but let's not misunderstand what Jesus is saying here. This is the characteristic of a citizen of the kingdom of God who has come to Jesus poor in spirit, who has mourned over the reality of the weight of their sin. In fact, you can see the way that the chain kind of develops here, can't you? You can see that this chain or this natural progression that leads up to meekness, and, and you can't help but see how it inevitably flows from being poor in spirit and from mourning. One cannot be meek, truly meek, that Jesus is talking about without a poorness of spirit. One cannot be truly meek unless it flows from a mourning over our, the reality and the weight of our sinfulness. It's a result of these things that Jesus is developing. And so here's the thing. Beyond my attempt so far to help us understand some important things about meekness, I think we need to kind of start off with that baseline. I really don't have like much more like wisdom to offer. <laughs> this is about the, the extent of, of meekness. In fact, I was telling some people like, this was just a really hard thing to wrap my own mind around. Uh, meekness so far, and we're not even fully through the Beatitudes yet, uh, meekness so far has, has um, seemed to be the most challenging to really understand and, and communicate um, as a preacher. Um, and so one thing, though, that as I prepared to preach this and wrap my mind around this, my mind just continually went to Jesus. Is it okay if we preach some Jesus this morning? Like, we want to do that every week but my mind just continually went to Jesus. How do we wrap our minds about what meekness is? And the thing, like this thing just kept going through my mind is like, don't look anywhere else besides Jesus. And we're gonna look at, at, at some important things, it, but, but, I, but here's what I personally kind of came to, that it would be futile and foolish of us to try to paint this picture of, of meekness without zooming right in on the person of Jesus. And again, I'm not talking about Jesus, just this theoretical character. I'm talking about like the real man, like the real human being, Jesus. And so it seems that in its own distinct way, you gotta catch this with meekness. It seems that in its own distinct way within the Beatitudes that meekness is something that very explicitly connects our minds to Jesus. Now, now, not that Jesus isn't exemplary in these other ways. Not that he's not exemplary in these other ways. But I think, and you're going to see this this morning, I'm going to try to convince you of this. I think there's something really poignant and, and, and really important about meekness and the way that we understand Jesus. Or maybe I should say it, there's something really important of how we, uh, there's something really poignant about Jesus and the way we understand meekness. Maybe we should flip that. And so I want us to look at this meekness of Jesus through three perspectives, or here's the question for us. Here's the question. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. How does Jesus model meekness for us? How does Jesus model meekness? And so I want to highlight three things um, in how Jesus models meekness, and, I, and these are somewhat all-encompassing. It's going it's to talk about Jesus, but it's also going to talk about our call to meekness. And so the first thing is this, his heart. 
How does Jesus model meekness? First thing we're gonna look at is the heart of Jesus. The second thing we're gonna look at is the actions of Jesus. And the third thing is the call of Jesus in regards to meekness. And here we go. We're gonna have some people read some scripture again this morning. I don't know if you like that this week, but we're doing it, okay? Um, the first thing is his heart. And what we're gonna look at in, in regards to this meekness of Jesus um, is Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Um, this is an odd request, and it's gonna, it's gonna dwindle this crowd down a lot, but I'm gonna ask someone to read that in the King James Version. Oh, that just like, took out a huge swath of us. Somebody in the King James read Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Did you, did you catch something there? Jesus says, I am meek. Yeah, thanks, Jacob. Really, I mean, that's what that, this is, we want to participate together. That I am meek and lowly. Look what Jesus doesn't say. That um, I act meekly or um, I'm meek on Mondays, you know, meek Monday, hashtag meek Monday, blessed. Like I'm meek on Mondays and then on Tuesdays I'm just and I'm, wrathful and I'm flipping tables and on Wednesday, you know, it's my rest day. No, what does Jesus say here? I am meek and lowly in heart. Something incredibly significant that we cannot miss is said by Jesus here. In your Bible, these words are, are likely in red, meaning that these words are said by Jesus. I mean, these are, these are the words of Jesus. And it is in these verses that Jesus tells us something that he is gentle or meek and lowly in heart. Jonathan Edwards um, says that what draws sinners into the glory of God is the beauty of his heart. So if you're wondering, what was it that drew me into to, to God? What was it that drew me to his glory? What is it that, that just seemed in the moment just this irresistible pull towards following Jesus? And, and we have a whole lot of different stories about how we came to Christ. Maybe you heard it, like maybe you came to Christ in response to like a hellfire and brimstone message. Maybe you heard that message and, you know, Jonathan Edwards also preaches a message called Sinners in the Hands of Angry God. And he talks about you being a spider hung by a web and Jesus holding you over the fires of hell. So it's, pretty, it's, it's, it's a great sermon, by the way. Um, but what Jonathan Edwards ultimately says that can be, that can be true as well as, the, as, the, as, as what he establishes in that sermon is that what draws sinners into the glory of God is the beauty of his heart. Not the, man, I don't know. I don't know how you're wired. Maybe you, like you love like, the, like all the angry parts of Jesus, you know? I don't know how you're wired, but can I, just, can I just tell you, I agree with this. I agree with what Edward says is that ultimately when you placed your trust in Jesus, what drew you in was the way that he responded to you as a sinner. That, that in this same passage, eleven twenty eight through 30, that he would say, those who are weak and heavy laden, come to me. I mean, that's, I believe that's, whether you realize it or not, I believe that's the message that the Holy Spirit is preaching to your heart when you choose to follow him. And again, you may have come to Christ in, in a bunch of different kinds of ways, not like, you know, not to contradict, I am the way. Like, not, you know what I mean. Like, whether it was a camp, whether it was a, a moment of solitude where you came to Christ. But Jonathan Edwards, we can't miss that, says that what draws us into the glory of God is the beauty of his heart. And so when Jesus takes time to reveal to us what is in his heart, this is what he says. 
I mean, this is, this is one of the only places in the New Testament where Jesus says, here's my heart. Like, this is, this, is what, this is what exists within my heart. There are, by the way, and don't hear, don't hear me wrong, there are many things that we are to understand about Jesus and his character. There are many things about Jesus and his character that are true and that are no less important to how we understand who Jesus is. But what is it that flows from the heart of Christ most naturally? Hey, church, let's not put words in the mouth of Jesus. Meekness flows from his heart. He says it. And that's, if you got a problem with that, then you got a problem with this. That's what flows from the heart of Jesus is meekness and gentleness. That is what's most natural. The Old Testament would say that, this is a whole other sermon, but would, but would talk about the justice of God and his wrath being the strange work of God, being the, the work that's not, that's, that's not, outside of his character to use, but it seems to be what's not most natural to him. What is most natural to Jesus is that he would respond to you in your cry out from your sin with mercy and grace. And this is the first thing that we've got to understand about meekness is just the heart of Jesus. The second thing um, that we are to understand about Jesus is that it's not only what he says, it's what he does. And so the second thing is, First was his heart, second is his actions. So first was his heart, then was his, his actions. This is basically, a, if you've ever heard, um, he practiced what he preached. Uh, this is, this is the, the, the thing I'm trying to develop here, which by the way, one of the things that we've really enjoyed in our Wednesday morning sermon study, um, that Jesus is the only person that we could say, um, not only that he practiced what he preached, but he preached what he practiced. He, he preached what he, he practiced. Um, and so his actions show us that he's practicing what he's preaching. He's practicing who he says he is. It's like, okay, Jesus, your gentle and lowly heart, show me. Well, let's, let's look. We're gonna be in Matthew 27, 27 through 31. I need somebody to find that. And then John 13, 12 through 17. Let's, let's look at the meekness, the lowliness the humility, some versions say, uh, blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. And so the humility of Jesus. Someone read Matthew chapter 27. Actually, here's what we're gonna do first. Um, we're gonna read John 13, 12 through 17 first. Would somebody just read that? Any version, Yeah. That's great. You can stop there. So in, in these two texts, we'll read the other one in just a minute. But in these two texts, we have an example of how, one, of how Jesus responded in meekness. But in the other example, which Robbie just read, of how Jesus just lived in meekness. And so the, the, of the two texts, we're gonna see what Robbie just read. Jesus is just, uh, just meek in his, in his everyday encounters. In his, I mean, here he, is the, here, here he is the night before his betrayal, like, if I'm Jesus, like, or if Jesus is a, is a teenager in this culture, like, he's taking selfies with his disciples, and he's like, last, hashtag last night, you know, like, you know, final night of freedom. Um, no, what Jesus is doing in this moment is he is kneeling before his disciples and washing their feet. And so in these two texts, again, we have an example of how Jesus lived out his meekness, but even how Jesus responded in the most, the, the, the deepest mo moments of adversity in meekness. And so we see that. We see that he confirms for us what is what flows most naturally from his heart. And in John 13, what we just read, here's what's important. In John 13, this is a whole other gospel. This isn't, this isn't even Matthew, this is John. Christ himself says to his disciples that this posture, 
that this posture of meekness and this posture of serving one another is to serve as an example. I mean, Jesus in the text says that in verse um, in verse 15, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. And so he, he, he points to this posture in order to serve as a, an example to how they are to operate. And then he looks, and then look what he says in verse 17. This is, it's almost like, a, like, a, like Jesus is tempted to start preaching the Beatitudes again. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you. So, so Jesus, what he seems to say, I haven't studied the, the blessed word if he's, if he's using the same word in John as he's using in Matthew, but what Jesus is saying is, blessed are you not when you are vying for who's gonna sit at my right hand and my left hand, but blessed are you when you take upon this kind of posture, a meek posture before people. The highest level, the highest experience of human satisfaction and happiness doesn't exist when you are up at the top, but when you are literally brought low, when you are meek. So the Matthew text, we're gonna read that. The the text in Matthew 27 shows us how Jesus responds or reacts in a meek manner as he stands on trial to be crucified. Um, And it's here, we we need to really pay attention to whoever reads this. It's really here that Jesus shows us what I think is an important angle of meekness. Somebody read Matthew chapter 27, verses 27 through 31. I had a hard time really kind of zoning in on which part of Matthew 27 to read. Um, but I landed in on this one because it seems to be kind of the most intense, intense moment leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus. Now, if you wanna see his actual response to them, like even like words that he says, I mean, you, you see Jesus come before Pilate and you see Pilate say things and you see people around him saying things and you see that Jesus doesn't respond Jesus doesn't respond in a, in, a, in a way of trying to defend himself or a, or a way of trying to preserve himself. In fact, I think that this is an important practical angle. Okay, here we go. We're not gonna see this clearly in the text, but I'm just trying to, 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 to help us understand what meekness may look like in our own life day to day. And I think Jesus, in a way, models this for us, even though it may not be explicit. And that angle is this, is that, that meekness is not always conducive to our self-interest or our self-preservation. So here you've got Jesus being attacked. I mean, you've got Jesus being all out of attack. The things that people are saying about Jesus are, are wrong, right? I mean, the things that, that, that they're blaming Jesus for, the reason why Jesus is going to the cross, ultimately there's something much larger at play, right? That's the, the sovereign will of God. But, but, but the, 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 the legal reasons for him going to the cross is like, we don't really know what the reason is. What, what has he done? That's even in the text. What has this man done? He hasn't done anything. A mark of meekness may look like our no longer, no longer being overly concerned about how we're viewed or perceived. And, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of try to, try to explain this. But, it, but it, a mark of meekness may look like our no longer being concerned how we're viewed or perceived, especially by a lost and a sinful world. This certainly doesn't excuse us from being a jerk. It doesn't excuse us from being arrogant or aggressive, but, but I'm afraid that in me, I may too often be overly concerned about living fearfully or with a lack of conviction in order to, to win the world, in order to, to gain favor with the world. And most often what this is rooted in, in me, again, I'm not your Holy Spirit, and that's not anything I'm trying to say. I've just been doing some, some, some self-evaluation. Oftentimes, what this mode of self-preservation looks like in me is, is, is rooted in thinking of myself higher than I ought to think. It's actually rooted in pride. Like when, when you think, well, no, I'm just gonna, gonna kind of hold back. And again, I'm not, man, I don't know in what, con- obviously in most of our minds, 
the context that our minds go to are social media, which, which I, I know how unfruitful and, and how um, ineffective that it can be to speak your mind on social media. And I'm guilty of that. But I'm just talking about in any level. We talked about in week one of the Beatitudes with the authority of Jesus. Hey, there's gonna be some things that we speak on. Like if we're just gonna put it out there and, and, be, and be frank, there's some things that we're gonna speak on that the world has given too much influence in how we respond when we hear words like justice, when we hear words like race, when we hear words like these things, these are things, as we talked about in week one, the Bible speaks the first word upon. The culture does not get the corner market on speaking on these things. And what I'm afraid that has happened in the church and what happens in me too many times is that I become so, so sensitive to what the world is saying about these things that I actually, as a preacher, become fearful to address them. And what that's rooted in is pride, in me, that's rooted in, in pride, that's rooted in self-preservation. And I think when we talk about meekness being power under control or meekness not being weakness, that, that Jesus calls us to speak boldly on such things, especially from the pulpit. If you, if you don't realize, like we spent a lot of money on this uh, because maybe, maybe this is pride too. People have just said, hey, like figure out a way to make sure that the pulpit you know, is, is seen as important in the church. Like preaching is an instrument that God has chosen to use in order to shape the hearts and the minds of people. And by God's grace, we will be faithful to the text in this place. But here's the, here's the thing. Preaching is one of those places that's oftentimes a temptation to self-preserve. Preaching is one of those places that's sometimes a, a place where, where pride can be clothed in humility, Right? And, and I think what Jesus is, Jesus is doing here, and, and if, you, if you're not seeing it in the text, then, 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 then let's keep going. But, but what's important is, is, is that I tend to associate meekness with a lack of conviction. And I don't know what that looks like in your life. I'm not, I'm not your Holy Spirit. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if it's on, you know, when you, it's so crazy how we have been able to, to kind of categorize things. And I don't want to categorize things, but it's like, I don't know where your lack of conviction exists in your life. Maybe it's, with, maybe it's just in a personal relationship you have with somebody that needs to be told the truth. Maybe it's, man, I don't know what it is, but regardless, I tend to associate meekness with a lack of conviction, and I think there's a way to winsomely and graciously speak with conviction without losing a, mostra, a posture of meekness. And so this is an area where we can see how synonymous meekness and courage can be. Jesus, by the way, is going to speak frequently about the cost of following him. He's gonna speak a lot about this. He's going to speak frequently that there is a cost to following him and his own disciples will go on to count these costs. They'll give their life for what they had seen, what they had heard, and for who they had believed. And Jesus himself will go all the way to the cross because of his meekness and his power. It was not self-preservation that Jesus was after. It was a emptying of himself that sent him to the cross, not a way to preserve himself or to preserve his own life or to preserve his own reputation, but an emptying. And we actually see that clearly in Philippians. Look how Jesus wraps up the Beatitudes in verses 11 and 12. Matthew 5, 11 and 12 we see that Jesus is kind of saying, hey, like I'm not gonna be shy about the cost of following me. He says, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is Jesus saying, hey, there is a way to live in a meek way that's going to bring about confidence in the word of God. It's gonna bring about confidence in your following of him, but is also going to lead to probably some reviling into some persecution and to some, some, some crucifying of your desires to, to, to preserve your own image. I think that's what he's saying. It may be, a, may be a, an insufficient application, but it seems, it seems relevant. Okay, thirdly, first we had his heart. Secondly, we had his action. And this is where it gets kind of personal. I was trying to figure out how to apply this. Um, thirdly is his call. So if you're wondering, well, am I to be meek? Is Jesus calling me to be meek? Is he calling me to be humble? 
Is he calling me to, to emulate what he, what he exemplifies in these things? My third point is yes. What is his call? What is his call on our lives? We're gonna be in Philippians 2, verses three through eight. So somebody find that. And we're gonna be in 1 Peter 2, 18 through 24. Let me just say this, that time after time after time within the scriptures, that we as followers of Jesus are called to this kind of meekness and humility that Jesus exemplifies. We are called to the same level of humility. Now, that feels a little bit weighty, feels a bit heavy. How in the world do we, how in the world do, we do that? Well, we're gonna get to that in just a minute, but I want to make sure that we are clear that the call for meekness and the call for humility is not just, a, not just a, an early thing. It's something that continues throughout the, the, the rest of the New Testament. We see a continual call to follow Jesus and to follow the example of Jesus, and we see that in the letters to the churches in the New Testament. In fact, so explicit is the command to emulate Christ This is what Paul says in Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Would somebody read that? So Paul says here in Philippians, not not as a way to earn our salvation or to earn love from God, but what Paul says unapologetically is follow this example. See what Jesus did? Follow that. Emulate that. Strive for this kind of humility. Emulate this Christ-like character. And let's not forget that Paul establishes in nearly every letter to his church, or to, uh, in, in nearly every letter that he writes to churches, that the words he writes are not his words, but they are Christ's words. They are not words on his, that he's teaching on his own authority, but words that he teaches upon the authority of Christ as an apostle of Jesus. And so Paul is saying to these churches, and, in, and in, as a result to us, that we are to exemplify this kind of meekness, that we are to emulate this kind of meekness. Look at 1 Peter 2, verses 18 through 24. Somebody read that for us. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your master, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for your good and you endure it, it is commendable for God. For you, this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. You say 24? Yeah, go through 24, David. Thanks. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats and said... He trusted himself to, to who judges justly. He, bore him, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live in righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. Man, what a powerful passage. And by the way, this is Paul, I mean, Paul explicitly says, so Jesus suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. And what Paul's doing here is he's connecting that directly to like a modern, you know, a, 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 a modern day for, or sorry, this is Peter, not Paul. Um, Peter is connecting this for his hearers to an immediate context. He's, he's saying, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. That's a whole other sermon for another day. We're not gonna get into that. We're just gonna read the Bible and take it as it is though here. And, and Peter is saying, hey, listen, here's a real life, scenario where Jesus has called you to follow his example of meekness and humility that while they reviled and hurled insults against him, that you should also endure the same. 
And we see this theme of this power under control, this meekness, this humility, this lowering of ourselves in relation to others around us. We see that from the life of Jesus to the, to the behavior of the early church, through the letters that, that Paul and Peter write, through the, through down through the, the, the phases of history of our faith that we would be a meek and humble people. All right, so that's the first half of Matthew 5, 5. The second half says the promise that they will, for they shall inherit the earth. So we've kind of talked a little bit about that, but, but just in closing, that there's a future, I believe there's a future and, a, and an immediate reality to the promise that the meek will inherit the earth. Future, the scriptures make clear for, for us that Jesus will one day make all things new that one day he will come, he will establish a new heavens and a new earth. All that exists that is evil and wicked and that oppresses us and weighs us down will be no more. And it will be a place with a real king ruling and reigning. And the scriptures also say that we will reign with him. Try to wrap your minds around that that we will reign here with him. This future reality is for those who take on this posture of meekness this future reality that, that you will one day inherit the, the earth is for those who take on a posture of meekness. While the domineering and the aggressive may enjoy a temporal measure of pleasure, they will have no eternal reward. You know, the, those who are not meek, man, they can work their way to the top. They can get to the top of their corporation. And man, they've got their moment. And Jesus is saying, blessed are the meek, your moment's coming. Your, your moment is coming. And so this inheritance of the meek will be the earth itself. But there's also a present reality to this promise that we will inherit the earth. For those who are meek, don't forget what Jesus is implying here, that there is a level of satisfaction, that there is a level of happiness, there is a level of flourishing in your life, that if you are a meek person, if you strive for meekness as a disciple of Jesus within the kingdom of heaven, that satisfaction and happiness in a, in a, at a, in a certain way is available to us now. Remember what we said last week about mourning. We did not say that what Jesus is saying means that, that you'll experience full comfort now. But what we did say is that there is comfort available now to the kingdom citizen through his spirit through his word, through his church, and through his promises, that we can experience that now in a way that those outside the kingdom cannot. And so there is this present reality that, that just as there is comfort to us in knowing what awaits for us in eternity who are in Christ, we also, even now, are able to experience a measure of inheriting the earth, that we don't look towards all of our days here to be what matter. Man, there is a, a special measure of blessing now for those who are meek and those who follow Jesus in the way that he says my kingdom works. And so we pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for that. We pray for that. And so there's something very important that we must be clear on. And it's this, that the gospel is not a message of do. I know you've heard this morning, do, do, do. And yes, Jesus is calling us to obedience here. I mean, he's unapologetically saying, follow me, obey me. The texts that we looked at this morning are about five different instances where either Jesus or one of two apostles say, follow this example. Follow this example. Do this. Obey Jesus in this way. But the gospel, the gospel in itself is not a message of do, it's a message of done what has been done for us. We are called to follow the example of Christ in this way, and it is obedient for us to follow Jesus in this way. In fact, walking in meekness and humility is one of the things that we've been created for in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2.10 would say that not only our salvation has been foreknown by God, but even the works which he has laid out for us, he has prepared for those who walk with him, created in Christ Jesus in Ephesians 2.10. However, our hope and our salvation lies solely in the finished and completed work of Jesus. Hey, you're wondering like where, where like, how do I get into this kingdom? 
Well, Jesus is really dissecting it in the Beatitudes, but ultimately the message is this, place your faith in Christ. Place your faith in him. Because there is a level of comfort that as someone who is not following Jesus, you will not experience now and you certainly won't experience in eternity. There is a level of satisfaction, of flourishing, that though you may work your way to the top in your business or whatever, when you get there, you realize, wow, this is really lonely. And there's a level of satisfaction that is only available when we place our trust in King Jesus. And that's what he's saying. But within this kingdom, there is a way that things operate. And since he's the king of this kingdom, he can say that. And so it is because of his meekness that he became flesh and dwelt among us. It's because of his meekness that he lived an obedient life without pitying himself or thinking more highly of himself. It's because of his meekness that he endured the cross, that he died and suffered the humiliation of the grave, and that he is now exalted, that, that God has now exalted Jesus above every other name. And it is because of his meekness that he can invite, he can invite those within his kingdom to walk in meekness and humility. And so I just pray that we would just lean in and trust that today. It's hard to trust that sometimes, isn't it? Even if you are a believer, a kingdom citizen, it's hard to believe this. This is why we can pull back from all of that and say, you know what? Even though I fail, Jesus is perfect. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what your word calls. Thank you for ultimately what your word shows us and reveals us about Jesus. Thank you um, that that we see that we have a clear calling from King Jesus for what discipleship and what following him looks like in this kingdom. Thank you for um, just for the, the inspiration and the, the authority of those who were apostles that even wrote to the churches and to us today, Lord, that this is how we follow the example of Jesus and that is to live in a meek way. And so, Lord, we we ultimately just submit ourselves to and confess in this moment uh, that so oftentimes we're not this. And you know that. Um, We know that you have purchased salvation for your children. We know that there there is nothing that can take us from your hand, even these moments where we fail to trust you, even these moments where we have really, really humiliating moments of, of arrogance. And so, Lord, help us to be meek. Help me, Lord, to be meek. Help me to interact in the world in a meek way. Help me in meekness to be confident in what you've called us to proclaim, what you've called me to proclaim from this place right here. And so, Lord, we just, we need, we need, to, we need your spirit in order to do this. And so we In response to that, we thank you for giving us your spirit. As your word says that your spirit dwells within us. And so we thank you for that. As we come to the table now, um, it's even this is a a practice and a posture of meekness for us to to maybe all week we've we've acted like we've had it all together. And this is the 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 this is this is one moment and one opportunity for us to just in front of everybody to say, I don't have it all together. I'm empty-handed, I'm I'm needy, I'm poor. And so, Lord, just help us even in this moment to acknowledge what you've done for us through your son, Jesus, and help us worship in response to that truth and that reality in your name. Amen.